0: says no flesh or glory in his presence and this is what this message is going to deal a little bit about tonight I reviewed in my bible reading this is the, this is what do you get out of reading the bible through every year people some sometimes will come to me and say well and I, I like the spirit of this by the way I'm not criticizing but they'll say well you know I'm not going to read a bible through this year I, I want to go deeper into the books you can't go deeper than reading the bible it don't get deeper Oh, you can look the words up, all that other stuff. You can get sometimes lost in all that and miss what the big picture is, what God's trying to tell you. And in my Bible reading through, I was reading through the book of Daniel, and God just, he just came and talked to me. I'm hoping to share this with you best I know. Uh, God, I can tell you this, God's trying to get your attention. I mean, every one of you. God's trying to get his people's attention. A lot of what goes on in your life is God trying to get your attention. We sometimes are are thick-headed, hard-headed, stiff-necked, won't listen to him when he comes by the house. We got our own way. We know better. We've heard this. We got that. We have 101 excuses why we don't want to do it God's way. God's way oftentimes is just a simple way. But it's profound in its simplicity. And as computers have gone, most of you know computers enough to know that as the more advanced computers have become, the simpler they are to use. Now, isn't that interesting? Many of you remember uh, when computers first came out, you had to memorize a hundred different moves, a hundred different moves. And I mean, I had a guy tell me an arrogance beyond belief at a computer store up in Fort Myers, no, right where it was, that little south of where Manuel Baptist is. It was called ABC Electronics. I must be bitter because how would I remember that? But anyway, ABC Electronics took my computer in there to get fixed. This is a 40 megabyte hard drive. It was the biggest hard drive up to that moment. And the guy told me, you'll never need in your lifetime another hard drive. 40 megabyte. He said there just couldn't make anything that would fill this. And I thought, wow, I got the biggest, baddest thing in the world. I'll never have to have another computer. It was a, it was a Microsoft XT slow as molasses, and, but I thought it was like lightning speed. And I did my, did my checking account on it and paid my bills. Man, I was like, "Woo, I'm high tech now. I took it in there and he said, unless you learn, and I forgot the name of the language. It was, uh, what was that? DOS. Oh, yeah, DOS. Unless you learn that, you will, you will be outside looking in, in this world. Like he was spelling my doom. I'll be outside and everybody that knows DOS will be inside in their realm of wonderful knowledge. And then a guy by the name of Bill Gates came up. And he said, complexity is not where it's at. Simplicity is where it's at. And let me tell you, don't misjudge God in his simplicity. As if it's not complexity. Hidden under the simple cover that he puts it under. Man. And that may be tonight's message for you, because tonight's message will seem to be simple, but it is as profound as I've ever preached. It's as deep as I've ever gone. And you can't go any deeper than what I found here. I found it, I read the first six chapters of Daniel. I stopped reading, put my Bible down, and God gave me what I'm going to try to give to you tonight here. God is trying to get your attention. He made you and loves you. He formed you in the womb. He sustains you with life. He supports at, right at this moment. He has provided food and clothing and shelter for you. <clears throat> and he saved you from a hundred blind and deaf northern folks that can't drive. <clears throat> <clears throat> I've ridden motorcycles for about 100,000 miles. And trust me, I have been saved a lot of times. I've told for 30 years, I've been saved a lot of times. Sometimes he lets you see the salvation he gives. And it's like, who, who, who. other times he don't let you see it, but you were saved anyway. You just didn't know it. You didn't see it. One time, uh, about we Jim and I calculated a, a, uh, what they call a great hammerhead. I was in the sand trying to find a spear tip, and right beside me, my brother was about by 30 feet up, and he looked big, and got his eyes got big. And he looked down at me, and he was looking past me, and I looked over to my left, and there was a, he estimates, and I estimated a 20, 21, 22-foot hammerhead. It was gargantuous in size and shape. Its uh, head was over five feet wide. And its tail was about nine feet tall, eight, nine feet tall. And it went right beside me. And see, so God, let me see that. God, let me say, hey, Billy, I'm taking care of you. I said, thank you, Jesus. I went back to the boat and just sat there. Because <laughs> that shark could have eaten me in a heartbeat. Just, it would have, I would have been a snack for him. But God's saving you. He's saving you. The important things in life. He's seeking to reveal himself to you. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants wants you on your own cognizance from your heart to admit and agree to the the truth of the universe. What is that truth? That there is a God in heaven who ruleth among men? Am I on this? Well, that's because I never turned this on. Okay, I never turned mine on. But you weren't going to tell me, were you? Because after I did what you did, you weren't going to tell me, were you? Your rent just doubled, baby. Hey, that's okay. That's all right, brother. That's all right. Your dad's got the bucks. All right. Uh, no, I appreciate it. I deserved every bit of that. <clears throat> and probably more. There's a God that, run back to my sermon now. There's a God that ruleth among men. One main purpose of the book of Daniel is to show this truth, that God ruleth among men. And you say, that's easy. No, oh, no, that isn't easy. That's not accepted by very many people, even Christians. I see many Christians live as though God does not rule among men. They live that way. Daniel's first... I'm going to go real briefly through the first six chapters of Daniel. Hang on because i got to go quick, right? Because that's a lot of work. But here we go. Daniel chapter 1. You know Daniel chapter 1. Daniel's captured in Babylon. He's taken as evidently... He's part of the king's seed. I believe he was the grandson of, uh, of Josiah. And he's part of the king's seed. And he is taken because he has intelligence that somehow they noticed and possibly because of the way he looked and they take him to use him for themselves. Now these are the people that came in, burnt his hometown down, destroyed the temple, killed his dad in front of him possibly, killed his mom, killed his brothers, killed his sisters, killed the people. They they ravaged the city of Jerusalem horribly. And Daniel... Is insult on injury, not only is he saved, but he's castrated. He's castrated. Why? Because nobody in the king's house usually works by tradition in the king's house unless that is the way they are because it keeps them out of trouble. And it is a way to keep him focused. And so that was their way. And so he's he, he not only is taken from his, from his home uh, as a slave, he is humble he is, he is used by the all hope of personal benefit in, in Daniel's life is gone. He will not have a family. He will not have any personal wealth. He will not have a free will. Now, folks, try to put your head around that. If I told you right at this moment, from here on, you're never going to be able to have a Some of you old folks say, man, but I'm talking about the young people here. You're not going to be able to have a family. You'll never have any wealth of your own. And all of your labor in life is going to be for somebody else. And you don't have any free choices. Most of you would be so depressed, walk around like, I give up, I want to die, I don't want to live. That is not the attitude you find with Daniel. And the three Hebrew boys that were taken with him. No, that's not what you find. You find that um, he relied upon God, didn't he? Uh, The key to survival... In your life and in my life, through the tragedies that may or may not come in your life, but you will have some trouble, there's no doubt about that, the key to your survival and my survival is our view of God. How do we view God? It will be your secret to survival in a good manner. Yeah, You may survive, but you may not survive well. I, I want to survive well in this life. I only got one shot through this thing, and I don't want to make a bunch of huge mistakes, and big things that cost big years and years of service. I want to do this right. I've been given the book that's going to help me, the Holy Spirit of God in me. I should be able to go through this thing like Daniel and do the right thing. You've been given everything to succeed. Your view of God will determine your actions and reactions to pressure and life's many situations that are coming your way. If If you have no God, you will act in a certain way. If you have a little God, you're, you will act upon that belief, and it will it will cause your actions to change. If you have a biblical view of God, <clears throat> you will act like Daniel. Because Daniel had a biblical view of God. The first test came in Daniel, not getting bitter. I'm amazed personally as I read through the book, Daniel, he didn't get bitter. I mean, whoa. Do you think you may I gotta have a drink of water? I don't know what's going on, but here. I've been yelling too much. You may think that you have reason to be bitter at God. But I'm going to challenge you. I don't know anybody in my life that had that many things go wrong in their life. I don't know anybody that even came close to having this many things go wrong in their life. Now, these are big things. These are big, massive, lifelong, lasting. When he was castrated, that lasted his whole life. When he was taken as a slave to Babylon, that was his whole life. When he was not allowed to have a free will, that was his whole life. When he was not allowed to have personal wealth, that was his whole life. It don't get bigger than that. You may have some problems right now that seem real huge to you, massive, but they may be just temporary. Maybe a five-year deal or a ten-year deal. Or maybe even 20 years. But eventually 20 years is over. Amazing. but He reacted under that pressure because of his view of God. So he didn't get bitter. He didn't get angry at God for the tragedies in his life. How did he survive after all he went through? Because of two major truths that I found in, in perusing again through the book of Daniel, two major truths revealed in the first six chapters of Daniel helped him to survive. Number one, he believed that there was a God in heaven that controlled the big picture. He believed there was a God in heaven that controlled the big picture. Uh, His first test was whether he would obey under pressure, even risking his own life based upon this belief. He believed that if he pleased God, that God was big enough to take care of him. Do you? In Daniel chapter 1, 8, 9, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat or with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Boy, there's a whole other truth. God can change the heart of a king towards you or against you. You please God. He can, I used to, there was a time in about 1973, the recession of 73, I didn't have work, and I was hunting for work. And I got my uniform, got all my stuff done. And I used to pray when I go out to hunt for work that day. I'd say, God, the hand of the king is in your, the heart of the king is in your hand. Would you allow these people to look on me favorably? Now they got ten people coming by for a job today. All of them qualified. Many of them way more qualified than me. Would you allow me to have a job? Would you do that? Now, in the meantime, when I was 16, I started tithing every every. Every dollar I gave God a dime, every, I started, see, the, the, God don't do this for you if you don't obey him in the small stuff. Tithing is small. That's just baby stuff. Tithing is like goo goo gaga. If you aren't tithing here tonight, you're, you're not even up to baby status with God. Because tithing is just Mathematics. One, take one-tenth of everything you make, God says is His, and if you don't do it, He tells you you're robbing from Him, and nobody blesses somebody that's robbing from Him. Now that's goo goo gaga. That's baby talk. It don't take big intellect to figure, I, don't, I can't afford to tie, Brother Bell. If I know the Bible, you can't afford not to tie. If you have the right view of God, that He is a God that controls everything. If you believe then have a right view of God, that God gives gifts unto men, that He's the one that blesses you where you go, how you go, how much you think, what you think. If you believe what the Bible teaches about God like Daniel did, you will purpose in your heart not to defile yourself, not to sin against God. You'll purpose in your heart to obey the simple truths that you know. Let me say this. If you won't obey the simple truths you know, why would God revert, reveal to you any deeper truths? Make sense? I have people tell me, oh, I want deep truth. <clears throat> they aren't even witnessing. Well, if you don't go witness and do, if you won't do the simple things which you're witnessing and telling other people about Jesus passed out, if you won't do the simple things, why would God ever come to you and show you anything deeper? Why you don't read your Bible? If you're not spending enough time to see God read your Bible, why would God ever come to you and show you anything about Himself? Why would He do that? Daniel, by the way, he was possibly 10, 12, 13 years old. Young kids can make big decisions for Jesus. He purposed in his heart to know God. He purposed in his heart not to violate himself. Now, you know, he risked himself. You know the story. I'm not going through that whole thing. He risked himself. He could have been killed flat up and down, straight, just like, the, okay, you're not valuable to us anymore. <whistles> Slice his throat, throw him away. He said, well, if I die, I die. That's not in the Bible, but I'm sure that was a decision he had to make. If I die, I die. I'm going to do what's right. By the way, people come to me and say, oh, you know what our people today would say? Now, not you folks, of course, because you're not this way. You know what people say? Well, you know, I mean, he could eat that meat and drink that wine. What goes into a man's mouth don't defile him. Daniel felt the small things were big things. As a Jew, he'd been told not to eat those those certain things. He said, I'm not going to eat it. And if God's not big enough to preserve me, why would I want to serve Him? That's kind of the reasoning behind it, isn't it? So Daniel's belief was that there was a God in heaven that ruled the affairs of men, and it was not theology. It was not theory. The problem with a lot of what we say we believe, when when the truth be known, it's just theory with us. But God wants to take theory, and He wants to bring it into reality. Would Daniel disobey the dietary laws in captivity? No. He was going to obey. Somehow or another, he was going to do it. <clears throat> As of these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. Where would that come from? It came from God, didn't it? There is a a reward for risking yourself for God and His Word. There is a reward for trusting God in what He says. There is a reward in putting everything you have on the line for God. There is a reward, brother. And Daniel, the Bible says, continued. Where a whole lot of people that were there didn't continue... Daniel continued because he did the things God wanted him to do. No one could have known, and I don't think no one would ever have known about the man Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was their heathen names. Nobody would have known them had they not, as a group said, and as individuals, we are going to honor God. We understand who He is, and we're going to do the right thing. Starting with the small stuff. We're not going to defile what we eat. We're not going to eat the wrong stuff. We're just going to say, by the grace of God. And you know, God made him prosper as a vegetarian. That's a miracle. He made him prosper, not eat meat. And Meriwether said, Amen. The second test for Daniel was telling and interpreting the king's dream, Daniel chapter 2. It's a rare thing that the king requested. He said, I forgot the dream, so I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. The rest of them boys said, whoa, doggy, that's no good. Nobody's ever done that. No king's ever asked. He's, no, no, that can't be done. No, 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 no. And he said, kill everybody. They said, we can't do it. I like, I like old Nebuchadnezzar. Kill them all. They're a bunch of frauds. So he put the order out, kill every one of them. Well, it came to Daniel because he was going to be killed. And he said to the guy, hey, ho, 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 give me a moment here. What's the rush on all this? I'll, we'll go to God and ask. So he brought him before. Got a little bit of grace time. Uh, went before God. God gave him the dream and the interpretation of the dream. Now, you know that's from hot, from heaven. Amen. And he said, but there is, and in, 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 you can look in your Bible if you want to, Daniel chapter 2, verse 28. Well, in 27, And Daniel answered the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king had demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king, chapter 2, verse 28. But there is a God in heaven. Now, what I'm going to show you tonight by the grace of God is over and over and over again in these six chapters, God, uh, Daniel keeps saying the same thing one way or another. He said, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets that maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. The dream, the visions, the head upon the bed are these. And he went ahead and told him. And in verse 30, I like what he says in verse 30. I think it's a great caveat. He says, but as for me, the secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living. He takes the route of giving all the glory to God. Not a bad idea. Let me say this. If you can recall in your memory, it's because God let you. If you can recite something, it's because God let you. If you can play the flute, it's because God let you. If you can play that piano the way the Hannah girl played, it's because God let her. And if you keep that in perspective, you'll be fine. Because you'll say what Daniel said. I wasn't giving any of this stuff because of certain special stuff in me. I was giving this because God did it. And for the sakes of the people around me, God did it. You keep giving glory to God and deferring everything to God, and you'll be in good stead. You'll be in good stead. That's what Daniel did. Daniel's view of God is clear. There is a God in heaven. He is the one who can help us. He is the one you need to seek. Daniel's view of himself is clear. It's not me. It's not my wisdom. True humility. By the way, if I may say this, a test is not a test if it can't go bad. You notice in the Garden of Eden, If you ever asked the question, you've read the Bible much, why would God take a beautiful garden that was perfectly, absolutely sinless, and put his two kids in it and put two trees in it that they weren't to touch? Now, most of you parents know that if you got something in your house and you tell your kid, do not touch that. First thing they want to do is go touch it. But a test ain't a test unless you can fail. A test not a test unless you can fail. God put those trees in there to give them a real, genuine test of their will. What did Adam and Eve really want to do? Did they respect who he was? Did they understand who he was? Did they believe it to the place that their view of God made their actions obey him? And their actions said what? We don't. We don't. We don't trust God. We don't believe God. <clears throat> and they fail. And it was a test. This was a real test with Daniel. These were real tests. They could have gone bad. The internet is a real test. Uh, Dan- Daniel chose. God gives us a choice. I heard one. somebody, and I can't remember who came by here. Uh, one of the old boys that came by here, he said a statement that the Holy Spirit grabbed and just pierced me with. He said the internet I preach a sermon, can we survive accessibility? Smartphones got the Internet. iPads got the Internet. Your computer's got the Internet. And 42% of the Internet is dedicated to pornography. Maybe more now. So let's just say half of the Internet is totally evil. The other half, let's not even say half, let's say 20% of that is good. 20% of the Internet is good what this guy said when he was here, he said, could God be raising up a generation that has had every opportunity to do evil, but has chosen to do good? Oh, that's a strong group of people now. That's a strong group of people that have had every opportunity to do evil, and yet they've chosen God to do good. I like that. I thought, ooh. Oh, yeah, because these people, under the kind of environment we live, if you choose not to watch pornography under our environment, you are choosing God, brother. Nebuchadnezzar needed to learn two major truths about God, that there was a God in heaven, that he gave men their positions and their power and their honor and their intellect and their wealth. Daniel chapter 2, verse 36-38. This is the dream that he will tell interpretation error before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom and power and strength and glory. Whatsoever the children of men dwell, a beast of the field and fowls of the heaven, he hath given into thy hand and hath made thee ruler over all them. Thou art the head of gold, that statue that he interpreted for him. God cared about Nebuchadnezzar, that he had the right view of what, what, what all this was about. And by the way you got to say it. The Bible says it. There's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Obama is our president, and he is there because God said he was going to be there. He was unbeatable. If you don't believe it, ask Hillary. She's probably still stunned. The test of idolatry is the third test he went under. That's in Daniel chapter 3. You know the story about the three Hebrew boys? I know you're going to say where was Daniel? I know you're going to say it. I think he was on vacation. I only know that in 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 uh, Daniel's not mentioned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know where I know Daniel wouldn't have bowed his knee. That's not where he was, but somehow Daniel got out of that test. He he didn't get into that. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were his buddies, they went through it. The three Hebrew boys were told to, to bow down to this idol, which I think was. I forgot how big it was now. The numbers left me. But anyway, it, it was a big idol. In the plane, solid gold. And everybody was supposed to bow down at a certain time. The music played. Probably played the Rolling Stones. And everybody was supposed to bow down to this. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had purposed in their heart to obey God. And they said there wasn't no. That's an easy test. Once you purpose in your heart to obey God, it ain't a problem. Whatever comes up, you're going to obey God. He said, "We aren't going to bow down." You know, the king got furious. Nobody, nobody violated. He was like a spoiled child. Nobody violated his word. He had the power to take life and uh, and to save life. And so he says, "Go ahead and throw him in." Go ahead and throw him in there. And by the way, if you'll obey the word of God, a lot of the temptations that come by your house, you won't have any debate. There'll not be a long discussion. I'm just going to obey God. He said not to bow down before idols. One of the command. I'm not going to do it. It was better to die here and to live there. That's what their decision was. I'd rather die here or live there. Some people want to live here, but I'll tell you what, you're going, to, you're going to die there. Look in, uh, look in Daniel chapter 3, 28-30. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have sent his angel. And look, this is after their deliverance. And they delivered his servants that trusted in him. And would changed the king's word. Yield their bodies that he might not serve uh, nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Look what happened out of this that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their house shall be made a dunghill. Because, here it is this is the truth that appears again there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. In other words, he rules. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the the, the thing is if you'll notice the three steps in those three verses, number one, they obeyed. Number two, the heathen got to know who God was. And number three, they got promoted. That's kind of the way things go. They got promoted at the end. Let me say this, I've known a number of Christians through the years that obeyed God, and I've never known one that obeyed God was unhappy about it. Every one of them I've ever talked to said, "Boy, it's been a good thing to obey God. It's been a good thing." Yeah, we've had things, we've had trouble like everybody else had. Woo! But obeying God—it's a piece that gets under, past understanding. Taught, uh, uh, the, this key truth that God was trying to teach Nebuchadnezzar, those around him, was their view of God. Is there a God small? Is He big? Do you obey Him at any cost? What do you do? The four tests we find in chapter four. Nebuchadnezzar driven mad in chapter 4 for seven years so he could get his view of God right. I say a statement here over and over and over again. I hope you get it. You can obey the written Word of God and learn by listening. And that's a good way to learn. Or you cannot obey the written Word of God and obey by experience and by chastisement. And by the way, time with God isn't like time with us. Seven years is nothing. Thirteen years for Joseph... Uh, uh, in in prison, that's just 13 years to so you. was like, 13 years? I don't know when you read that. I go, wow. And I think of here, wow. Drove this guy crazy mad. He went out. He, he, he went like a madman. His fingernails grew. His hair grew. He, he lost completely lost his mind. He, he, he slept on the ground outside. He was like the gathering maniac. Seven years. God was going to teach him something. I've given you all these testimonies up to this moment, and you've rejected them and rejected them and rejected them. He says, let me, let me do something else. He went crazy. God is God, let me ask you this He drove Nebuchadnezzar into the wilderness. Let me ask you a question Is God dr- gonna get is God, God driving you into some situation so that you'll finally realize that your need to get a right view of God? See, if you keep resisting God, resisting God, resisting God, resisting God, in His love, <clears throat> He'll drive you into the wilderness. Why? So that you realize there is a God in heaven, and He gives, which rules over the earth, and He gives gifts to men. Wow. Well, this vision we see in chapter 4, verse 17 of a tree that's been cut down and root. That was talking about Nebuchadnezzar in verse 17. said, This matter by the decree of the watchers and the demand uh, by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men. Does that sound familiar? This is the same statement. That the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basis of man. This was a recognition after Nebuchadnezzar got his sanity back. This is what he realized. He realized what Daniel had been telling him, what others had been telling him, that God is the one and there is no other that ruleth in the kingdom of man. Let me ask you tonight, do you believe this? And he sets up the basis of man. Now what's that mean? He sets up the base things, the things which are not, the things which are despised, hath God chosen. When you look at the disciples, what a motley crew of folks. Amen? When I look at the disciples of Jesus, I say there's hope for Bill Lytale. There's hope for Bill Lytale. A bunch of them are fishermen. And I just hope for Bill Lytale. Why? Peter and the way he acted, and then James and John the way he acted, then the other disciples wanted to debate who was going to be the greatest among them pride filled self filled uh first problems I mean they had all i mean I'm thinking about, Lord, why didn't you choose somebody with some perception of reality and what's going on? They saw all those miracles and everything yet they struggled so I think well, because it says right here he chooses the basest of men to rule. That's 4.17 of Daniel. I hope you get it. I hope you pass the test when God comes by your house. Because if not, He'll have to drive you into the wilderness. But if you do His will, and if you do what's right, He'll give you great promotion in your future. And it'll be from God, and it'll be from heaven, and you'll know it so. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 25, let's read on. That they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make thee to eat grass of the oxen and be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven times shall pass over thee till thou know that the Most High ruleth the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. That sounds very familiar over and over again. Pride's our enemy, just like it was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar in verse 30 got up there and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and the honor of my majesty. You know, there's a statement that says total power corrupts totally. You keep thinking you were the main cause for the good things that are happening in your life. And you have the wrong view of of God and do not understand some some of the basest, most simplest truths. And no better are you than Nebuchadnezzar. Your view of God is messed up like His was. Watch out, because God will send some tests by to help you realize. Why? Because the truth of the universe is there's, there's one, one God, O oh Israel. One God. It happened to Belshazzar, the great-grandson, I believe, of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 5, most of you know the story. Oh, Belshazzar had a party. Reminds me of a spoiled brat, old Belshazzar. Given everything, given the power, didn't have to fight anybody, didn't have to work, didn't have to plan, didn't have to suffer. He was given the power, third generation. And he was partying with his his so-called friends that are there because of the benefit that they're going to receive by being there. And they're drinking. He said, bring those vessels of of the children of Israel, the God of Jerusalem, bring them out, the gold vessels, silver. And they drank wine in them, and they lifted them up, and in their drunkenness, they blessed the God of gold, and they blessed the God of silver. And most of you know it. A hand appeared on the wall, and in the plaster it said, Meenie, meenie, tickle you far-son. You've been weighed in the balances and found one, and your kingdom's been taken from you and given to another. The Bible says his, this old boy's knees hit together. His knees hit together. Oh, he was big, tough, and brave till he saw that happen. But who was called in to make that interpretation? Daniel. Now by this time, Daniel's an old man. And in verse 21, it says, and he was driven, he told his grandson, as Belshazzar said, your, 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 your grandpa, your father in this case, your relative, you know, grandpa. He says, he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts that dwelling with the wild asses. And they fed him with grass of the oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men and that He appointed over it Whomsoever he will. Get that. That statement right there. That's it. That's what God's trying to ta- teach us. And he said to Belshazzar, Oh, Belshazzar, verse 22, Hast not humbled thine heart. Thou knewest this all. You, you knew all of this, Belshazzar. See, knowledge will puff you up. Beware without having a heart for God. And he lifted himself up against the Lord of Heaven, and God took him down that night. The Bible said that night he was slain with all of his buddies. In the sixth chapter, it happened to Darius, the king of the Medes. The Medes came in. They killed Belshazzar. They took over Babylon, Medes and the Persians, under this general, it was actually a general, General Darius, Daniel was cast into the lion's den because the people were envious of him that came in with Darius, that he held Daniel up in esteem as a captive. And so they were jealous, and they didn't like the fact. And so they made, it, made, made Darius, uh, unbeknownst to himself really, make a decree, and nothing could be changed under the law of the Medes and Persians. Once it was decreed, it had to be carried out. They made a decree that for 30 days nobody would have a petition to their God except they go through Darius. It appealed to his pride. However, Darius, he loved Daniel. He, liked, he understood Daniel. And, of course, they debated and tried to find a way out. No, he couldn't find a way out. Eventually, they said, you know, it's a law of the Medes and Persians. You signed it. It's got to happen. And he said, okay, throw him in the lion's den. The lion's den. Now, this lion's den was evidently a place that had a, 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 a rock that went over the top of it. These lions down there. And a lot of these people, when they were thrown in there, never even made it to the bottom. The lions broke their bones. Daniel was tested in his view of God under the very end of his life. This is towards the end of Daniel's life. Now, all the trouble that he had had, he was told he couldn't pray except he prayed through Darius Now this is a, you say, I'm an old guy. I've lived for Jesus all these years. My big tests are over. They're not over. Here, oh Daniel's an old man. Been through all kinds of tests. Taken, he's he's been deprived of everything that normally a normal human being, in our case, would have. He didn't get bitter. He trusted God. All this other stuff I just mentioned happened. And here he is at the end of his life, and he's being tested. You can't pray except you pray pray to Darius for 30 days. Now, some some new evangelical Christian would say, well, hey, 30 days, that ain't no big deal. 30 days I pray through him, and then God will forgive me, and we'll go on down the road. God don't use people like that. And he said, no, I'm going to pray. And he went home, opened his window like he always did, facing Jerusalem, and got on his knees. They spied on him, saw him praying. It was easy because he was going to do it. And he prayed to the living God. He took risk at the very end of his life that he took risk at the beginning of his life. Ever seen Everything Daniel did, Major, they were going to kill him. And they threw him in the lines. That, now, remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not arrogant about being saved. You can't read that and think they, were, they weren't. They said, well, if God decides to save us well, but if God decides not to save us well, any way you look at it, we're not going to bow down to your idol. And I don't see any arrogance at all in this passage about Daniel. I don't see that he says, oh, well, God will take me and he'll shut the mouth of the lion's den. Uh, no, I don't see that. Most of you know the story. He was thrown down in there and, and later on, boy, I like Darius. <laughs> He couldn't sleep all night long. He knew he'd done wrong. He couldn't sleep all night long. The Bible says, early in the morning he got up and he ran to the thing. Daniel, was your God able to save you? He cried out to the king. The angel of God came and shut the mouth of the lions. Oh, king. Woo! I bet they had a spell at that time. Get that lid off of there. Get that man up out of there. They checked him over, man. He didn't just like they did the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't even have the smoke of the furnace on him. You can't go by smoke without it getting on you. We serve a great God, He's a God of heaven. There is a God in heaven who directs this thing. And He is going to take care of you all the way home if you'll trust Him by faith. But He will test you all the way home. Here at the end of his life, he passes the test again. And God delivers him again. And Darius sets him up in power, I don't. I didn't see. I didn't see Daniel saying, "Kill all them guys who tried to." God took care of that. Daniel's enemies. Let me say this: It didn't pay to be an enemy of Daniel. It didn't pay because those people that came up against Daniel when Daniel humbly submitted himself to God and just said, "God, you put me here. You're the one that saved me. You're the one that provided everything. I just trust you and we'll do the right thing." And all those enemies of Daniel. And the Bible says, boy, Darius got a hold of all them boys, and he threw them. Now, here was something sad to me. He threw all them in. He threw their families in, too. He threw their little kids in. He threw their wives in. As a man of the house, understand that what you do affects you, your wife, your children. Understand it. Get it real good. And he threw them in, all of them. The Bible says the lions were so ravenous that they broke their bones prior to even hitting the floor and killed them all. There is a God in heaven. As I've described as briefly as I know how to describe in the short period of time we've had here. Is does that describe the God that you know? Is that the God that you know? The question I want to end with is, What is your God like? Can He help you? Father, we pray the night that you'd help us understand the God of all that is. Help us understand who you are, but not just understand it in our head, but understand it in our heart. Help our view of you determine our actions when we're tested I don't doubt that many times you break us financially to see if we'll keep tithing you get us down we don't even have food money to see if we'll still give a dollar out of ten do we have enough faith to believe that you won't let us starve to death if we do the right thing that you'll take care of us But maybe like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you don't, we're still going to do the right thing. Father, help us have that kind of faith tonight. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. We've got to have faith. We must believe. A test isn't a test if you can't fail. And Lord, you've given us the opportunity to go either way on these things. There's some, no doubt, in this room tonight that have, have their faith waning. They're getting into humanistic reasonings. God, have mercy on our soul. Don't let it happen. Help them to fall before thee as the God of all that is, the God in whose breath, who holds their breath tonight. Help us to know it and then act on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand
1: again. Everybody that lives about us Says tear that lighthouse down The big ships don't sail this way anymore There's no use in it standing round. Then my mind goes back to that stormy Time I saw the light, yes, the light.